Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face LaxCast. Unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Danahy, former Division I college and pro player and Division I college coach, currently living and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I'm joined with my co-host, Andy Towers, the legend, former Division I college head coach, MLL All-Star, three-time All-American, and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position. Each show, we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college, to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax for more information. Enjoy the show. End of the week show, and typically we do our picks, have a guest, or in this case, uh, some big news came out on Tuesday. I believe it was Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Let's say it's Wednesday. Chris Bates, head coach at Princeton University, is fired uh, for making contact uh, with his elbow with a player uh, coming off the field in the Brown-Princeton game. You know, it was actually interesting. LSN, Lack Sports Network, had me on to talk about the Bates situation, not realizing that within an hour, um, they had announced that he was let go. He was right. dismissed from the team. And so I kind of felt a lot of pressure on me being kind of the one that was making the first statement after the announcement. Uh, but I made my statement. I made my thoughts pretty clear. And uh, I know you have your thoughts as well. What were your thoughts after um, the announcement from Princeton? Yeah, you know, we during our podcast earlier in the week, we had speculated on... Uh, you know, how it was going to end. And, you know, I just stand by uh, my position that Princeton copped out. You know, they copped out. And, you know, I just feel like you've got to look at the total body of work. And, you know, Chris Bates' total body of work is that he's one of the best lacrosse coaches in Division One lacrosse. He is, first and foremost, a better person, you know, then he is lacrosse coach as exactly what any university that, you know, hires somebody to represent, you know, their institution is going to want to make that the first box that they check. And obviously they checked that and none of that is ever in doubt. And as we said before, you know, given worst case assumption that he was angry and he threw an elbow to the kid's face running off the field, you know, worst case scenario, if he's guilty of that, I just feel that, you know, it's a lapse in judgment. And, uh, you know, I feel that they could have gone about it in a much classier way, given everything that he's done for the university, for the program. Again, his body of work is saturated with nothing but, you know, high character decision after high character decision. And for them to have an opportunity to make a high-character decision and to support a guy that's supported them and their student-athletes and the community in a ton of ways off the lacrosse field, and instead of stepping up and showing character themselves, they took the easy way out and, you know, fired them. Just weak, you know, really weak. And, you know, not that surprising, uh, which is too bad, you know, and, and you've got most of the people out there that, you know, get it, 
are, I think, all feel the same way. You know, that certainly there was a um, consequence to pay for it, but only the extreme buttoned-up losers felt that he should be fired immediately because you don't touch a kiss. Shut up. Puff it up. It's so painful. You know, today's politically correct world, it's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And Chris Bates is a great man. And, and the good news for Chris Bates is that Princeton needs Chris Bates a lot more than Chris Bates needs Princeton. And he is going on to bigger and better things. You mark my word, that is going to happen. So it was disappointing, no but in, in a weird way, uh, I think this is going to be, you know, the birthday of Chris Bates' rebirth and whether or not Division One lacrosse is fortunate enough to have him in it or not. Uh, you know, the, the, the college game at the Division One level got weaker with this decision. I kind of want to go back to one of the things. He had a seven-year tenure at Princeton. And I want to bring this on a very personal, very personal level. And I was very upset that they didn't give him the ability to make his own statement, apologize on his own behalf, and say, hey, listen, the action, like he's a tough guy. He'll get up there and he'll say his, his right. mind. <laughs> and he'll do the right thing. He'll do the right thing because he always does. And my problem with that is maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Chris, out of anger, was like, you know what? I don't want to make a statement. Maybe, maybe that's what he said to them. Uh, I don't think so because you know Chris would have gotten up there, apologized, <laughs> right. and said, I'm, I'm going no to resign. Question. No question. But let's take his seven-year career at Princeton. And I want to take it on a very personal level because five of those years are after the passing of his wife. Now, I, I want to bring this five to Five years? A, it's been that long, five, huh? Yeah, it, it's been sad, sad, right? So wow, now think about this, A.T. A.T., uh, you're married. You're a married man, and I know Carly very, very, very well, and mm -hmm. she's the best, and I know for a fact she's your best friend. Yep. That's hands down. So now for the last five years, imagine being a head coach at one of the most prestigious universities in the country with the most, I shouldn't say obnoxious alumni. That, 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 that's a bad word, but passionate. There we go. That's a better passionate alumni who demand. Most cool, summer pompous. Most cool, <laughs> summer pompous. Let's not stress true. it up. Yeah, that's true. Um, and these guys demand Ivy League championships demand national championships. They demand wins. And he, for the most part, got them to do national t uh, appearance, uh, national tournament appearances, got them three Ivy League championships in his seven-year tenure. And he's had some ups and downs, it's a roller coaster. But imagine going home every single day and bottling that frustration up every single day and not having one person to vent that with. Y your best friend isn't there anymore. And now add that to the frustration over five years that for one split second, you're not going to give Chris Bates the benefit of the doubt in allowing him this one. And it, and it was, it was a big deal. I mean, it's, it's not like something to breeze over, but it certainly wasn't unforgivable. And so that's my biggest point is like, they're not seeing the bigger picture. No one's seeing the bigger picture that, you know, you, we all have friends. And well, they're they don't, well, I mean, certainly decision makers at Princeton don't want to see the bigger picture because right. along with that comes the responsibility to do the right thing. Right. And, you know, I, I will say the one thing that we don't know as outsiders to the Princeton program yep. is 
you know, what kind of support did he get from the most influential Princeton alumni? You know, were the guys that are in charge over there, uh, you know, over the years that play such a role and have such power, you know, within lacrosse alumni, were they going to bat, you know, for Chris Bates with the athletic director? I can only hope that they that they were. You know, uh, I, I've got a lot of friends that went to school there, as you do as well. I know a lot of those guys very, very well. And I find it hard to believe that those guys didn't step up as people, as quality people, in support of another quality person. I just don't, I just don't think that, you know, they would stand by and say, you know what, he's busted his ass for us. We're going to let him sink here because he's on his own, because he reached out and he touched a, you know, a brown kid as he was running off the field. And, I, I, you know, my, my, my hope is that that didn't happen. Uh, my hope is that they supported him, and, the, and that's, you know, that's what I'm going to choose to believe. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, we don't know the facts. We don't, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. What I do know is that the Princeton Athletic Director and the university as a whole copped out and bailed out on a guy that, you know, laid down blood, sweat, and tears for them, and then as soon as they had an opportunity to support him, they slammed the door in his face. That's weak. Uh, it definitely wasn't, uh, in my opinion, as just as exactly what you said, wasn't the best way to handle the situation. I, I, I can, I can, I can understand why they would let a coach go, but in terms of how they handle it with a cold, he is no longer he working. No longer at the works here. What is that? What? What? That's he like no longer the most, works here. He, he no longer in works fact, here. In fact, we don't, he uh, might not have ever worked who? here. I'm not really who sure. Right. About? Right. Like lacrosse actually means absolutely nothing. And then they go ahead and give a blurb of what Chris did during his time, and it blows you away. And it's like, wow, all it took is that. And you know what? Maybe, maybe that's all it was. But listen, instead of just saying he no longer works here, how about with a statement that he made? That he said, listen, I apologize, and I take the – you know, I'll take – the consequences of my actions and my consequences of my actions were I'm, you know, no longer now going to be the head coach of Princeton, but at least let him say it, you know, right. be, let him, cause you know, he'll do the right thing. Cause you're the one that hired him. You're the one that hired him to represent after the best coach in the country in college division one college across left the stand and you said it yourself maybe in college sports leaves your institution goes to another institution and has probably a big input on who's going to be the next coach points to that guy and says hey that's the guy that you want and everyone else was high-fiving and chest bumping saying that's the guy we want and they said yes and for seven years they were all high-fiving don't tell me you weren't high-fiving after an ivy league championship three of them don't tell right. me you weren't high-fiving when they went to the national tournament, two of them. And I know, yes, quote-unquote, it isn't up to the standards of before. Well, guess what? The standards of before never, like, they're never coming back. You're never going to win six national championships in under 10 years or whatever it was. I mean, right. you just had the greatest coach in all of sports come through your doors, blow out your doors, and then now you, all of a sudden you expect the same thing from every other coach? You're out of your mind. In fact, you could actually argue that they're doing worse, a disservice to that program, because now they're going ahead and saying, well, if you're not Bill Tierney, you're out. And let me tell you, if you get one losing record, you're out. You're done. And it's like, boom. And, and you know what? Again, I'm not, I'm not defending 
Chris Bates's action. I mean, you can't do that. You can't put you know your hands on somebody. Else. But listen, let the guy speak for himself. Don't tell him he's no longer employed. I mean, that's such right. a cop out. Such a right. cop out. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break right here. Uh, we're getting all fired up. We'll be right back with our pick. Uh, the first game on the list, on the rundown, number two Brown, which they won't be number two anymore. Number two Brown going to Philadelphia to play Penn, favored by two and a half goals. A.T., First off, before we actually get into this line and your pick, talk a little bit about what your thoughts were on the Brown game, Bryant game. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Uh, and you got to take your hat off to Mike Pressler and, and the Bryant players. I mean, those guys played really, really hard. Uh, you know, you can see that they had a very, very clear game plan for slowing down Brown's offense. Uh, they certainly benefited from Will Garall, not being dressed for Brown, who, in my opinion, is the best face-off guy in the country, and yep. they ended up winning a an overtime game against an opponent that, you know, has proved itself to have a very, very scary offense. And, and you know, I've said many times, uh, it was arguably the most complete team in Division One lacrosse. But these kids came ready to play. You know, uh, Cody O'Donnell, their long stick, you know, was every bit as the same type of factor in the game as, as Larkin Kemp. You know, I don't think they've played against a team that's had a long stick on the other side that brings that same sort of dangerous skill set. Uh, their face-off guy, even though Ted Ottens did a great job and I think statistically actually won the battle. Right, he was 13, uh, the other guy was 11. He right. was 13 for, for 24 or whatever he was. Uh, you know, Ted Ottens did a great job, but they just weren't winning them cleanly like they have been doing at a clip of 70 to 75% all year long. And, you know, both goalies played great, but down the stretch, you know, Gunnar Wall was, he, he was, he was fantastic. And he they, literally they, saved the game for Brown. I mean, for Brian, he, literally for saved Brian, the game. He, right. he did, he did, but it was a cumulative effort and they, and they had a great game plan for playing Brown. And, and I remember that they had a, a similar type of game plan last year. And I think they lost a one goal game last year. So, yep. you know, Brian, they, they can be everybody from beating Brown on a Tuesday night to getting beat by 10 goals by Yale. <laughs> and so right. I think that they, um, you know, I, I don't think this loss hurts Brown. In fact, I would actually argue as a Brown fan that this is probably a great thing for Brown, just like Denver losing to Penn State is a good thing for Denver. Um, you know, very similar games in that neither loss for Brown or for Denver was a league loss, number one. Uh, so they, it doesn't affect them in terms of their league standings. You know, while, the, while they will get, you know, drop a few spots in the national rankings, um, you know, I, I do think the upside is that they now know a little bit more about themselves and they're able to more accurately scout themselves and become a more complete team by focusing on those deficiencies in practice and moving ahead. Very aware that, you know, any loss is going to be as, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 any loss is essentially going to be a blueprint on, on, on how to beat that team, at least on that particular day. So 
Um, my hope is that Will Garal is back to play against Penn on Saturday. I think this game is going to be a dogfight. Penn has shown that they are a very formidable opponent. Um, you know, they were up 9-4 on Yale in the middle of the third quarter. They dominated the faceoff X against a team that had beaten them. And as we said before, Penn is, is, is maybe the youngest team in terms of who they play on game day in Division One lacrosse outside of the you know one or two year new programs. And so this is this is this is not a cakewalk for Brown. In fact, I know the Lax Vegas Lions has Brown as a two and a half goal favorite. Uh, I I see the game as, as more of a pick'em. And um, you know, but with two and a half goals uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take Penn in that game. I wow. think gonna win the game, I hope. Um, but it is, it's a scary game. And I think that Penn at home with the Pennsylvania referees, <laughs> you know, I just, I just see it. Uh, I see it being a one goal game. And my hope is that Brown ends up coming out and winning it. So I've got Brown and I've got, you know, the over 22 and a half total goal scored. I like the over, I think Brown's going to score a lot of goals and I think Penn's going to score some goals. Um, so I like Brown in the over. I uh, I I disagree. Well, I agree that Brown wins. Um, I disagree. I actually think that Brown comes back after this and proves themselves worthy of the number so. two spot that they have. I have this as a four or five goal, like quote unquote blow. It's not a, gonna not gonna be a blow, but and I'm just not convinced of Penn. I'm not saying that they're not gonna be good in a couple of years and. They're not going to be good. They they're already they're, good. They're, they're, they're pretty good, but they've got some holes in their game, and they haven't had a schedule um, that, that makes me feel like, listen, if they're going to have the same schedule as Brown, you better beat the teams by 15 goals every time. And that's why I like what Brown is doing versus what Penn's doing. Um, so I've got Brown. But Penn's played, Penn's played a way tougher schedule. Oh. I mean, Penn, well, Penn played, Penn's played Maryland. They've played Penn State. They've played uh, Virginia. They've played. Um, and they've lost. You know, they, they've, they've lost to those teams other than Penn State. They've lost to them all. Yeah, and they lost to Villanova as well. Right. You're right. So it's like, so, you know, I, I mean, that, that's what my thing is. And, and, and so from that standpoint, I've got Brown. And I also think that Brown really didn't care about that Tuesday night game. They cared more about what's going on at Saturday because that's really – like you said, I agree with that. Matters. I do. I do think that there's no question that you know the Bryant players are circling the Brown game as a you know cross city rival, a Rhode Island rival, right. and there's no way that Brown their players are looking at this game the same way. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yale number three, favored. Crap, favored six and a half goals over Dartmouth, <laughs> but it's in Hanover. It's in Hanover. At so what? So is NJIT. <laughs> Listen, man. I, I this is this is this line is too low. I mean, I, <laughs> Yale is going to pound them, um, you know. And as I said, you know, in previous podcasts, I, I I I like most of the people up there at Dartmouth, and but I just I just don't think that they have uh, you know scheme that allows them to be a better product as a group than they are as individuals. And Brown, or I'm sorry, Yale is is going up there after a near loss. Uh, to Penn and then coming back and pounding Sacred Heart on Tuesday. I think pound, I think Yale pounds Dartmouth again. I got an easy cover at six and a half, and I got the over at nineteen and a half. I don't see this being close. Um, I uh, 
I have to go. I mean, geez, I did this last. I mean, they lost by 10 to Harvard, right? And I think the line was six. And they let off the accelerator, right? Right, of course. I have to go with, listen, guys, six or less goals. That's what I'm asking, Dartmouth. I'm taking Dartmouth. <laughs> I'm taking Dartmouth. I, I don't think they're going to win. But you know what? Dartmouth over the last few years has always found a way to win one game to ruin somebody's season. I'm hoping this is this one. Um, Dartmouth, I think, covers this one, even though I don't think they cover this one. But I'm picking Dartmouth. Number four, Denver. I'm getting off of it really quick. Number four, Denver. Denver favored four and a half goals to number 18, Villanova. In Philadelphia, another Philly game. What do you got, Tyler? Two weeks ago, I would have taken Villanova to cover this very confidently. Uh, but after the week they had with taking a beating by Brown and then only scoring three goals in a loss to Marquette, even though this is in Villanova, uh, I, I just I just think that Villanova has been exposed, that they're too reliant upon one player, and you're going against the best offensive team in the country with the best face-off guy in the country and the best coaching staff in the country. Um, I just see Denver Denver killing them here. I, I, I can see Denver winning, you know, 14 to 5, or 14 to 6, or 16 to 5, something like that. I got Denver with an easy cover, and I like the over at 23. So I got Denver and the over. I uh... – I like Denver here as well. Um, I, I do think the same thing you do. Um, I think that they are exposed. Although, I will say, if they do find a way to put Fakara within the offense that they have and the scheme that they have and get him the looks and the good opportunities that they I know and they've shown that they can do, instead of letting him shoot on the front end and shoot on the back end of every single possession without getting into your actual scheme, um, I think... You know, they have a chance to cover here. I still think Denver wins, but I, I think I don't know if that's going to happen. It's, it's very tough to tell a first team All American to, you know, not shoot the ball as often as he has. So I, I mean, he could go, he could go off and they still, then they still, he could go off and if they go, if and he, have eight points, I still think they lose 18 to 10. <laughs> I, if he goes off, I think they cover, but they still don't win. And that's the issue. But I think they could play yeah. a better team. I hope Villanova wins, but it's not going to happen. Number six, Towson. Going to the zoo. Another crazy game that could happen. Towson's favored by two goals. It's obvious that the line has been moved to two. You'd think a number 16 going an unranked team um, would be favored by a lot more than two goals. But UMass has shown in the past that they can upset the big uh, the big teams at the big time. What do you got here, AP? They, they, UMass has shown up. They, you know, they they step up right when you feel they're not going to get it done. And obviously, they they stepped up against Penn State and beat them a few weeks ago. They stepped up against North Carolina, you know. But they Ohio State too. That just lost to Delaware. They just lost to Delaware, right. and Delaware was having one of the worst seasons, you know, of anybody out there. And even though they're playing at home, I just think that Towson's defense is too strong. And I think that Towson is on a mission. They Towson could end up being a Final Four team this year. They really yep. could. And I, I just I, I think that two goals is going to be uh, an easy cover for them. You know, I, I see it being like 10-6, something like that. So I'm going to take Towson to cover two, but I'm going to take the under of 17 and a half. Um, that's interesting. I, you know, because you would think since Ohio State, North Carolina, you know, Ohio State was ranked when they beat them, Penn State. All of those were the over against 
you know, UMass is a good defensive team just as much as Towson is. I'll, I'll take the under as well. I got Towson to cover. I get the exact same thing as you. That was a pretty good reasoning. I like, I like all of that. Number seven, Albany at home against Vermont, favored by five and a half. What do you got here? Too, too much offense from Albany, and they're starting to they're starting to show up at the faceoff X. And if Albany starts to win faceoffs, Albany can beat anyone, no question about it. I just think that I think Vermont has some really good offensive players, yeah. and I think they're going to score some goals on Albany. But I just don't think that they're going to score enough. And I think Albany is a team on a mission. I think they're going to win. Uh, their conference, and I think they, like Towson, are another team that is a threat to go to the Final Four. So uh, even though five and a half goals is a lot against, an, uh, I think, a strong offensive team like Vermont, I just I think that Albany is going to win the draws, and I think that Albany is going to you know, score when they get the ball consistently. So I see Albany covering five and a half against Vermont. I wish my boy Curtis you know, could get this win. I think it would be a huge win for him, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that uh, Albany covers 22 and a half. I like Vermont's offense, uh, and I like Albany's offense a ton. So I see a high-scoring game. I see this being, you know, 17 to 12. I like the over, uh, maybe even more than that, maybe maybe 20 to 12. I like Albany to cover five and a half, and I like the over at 22 and a half. I like Vermont here to cover this, and... I don't, that's, I, don't, I, don't, I understand that. Um, I like the over for sure, and that's the only reason why. I, I don't think either team is going to get to 20 goals. And if I don't think either team is going to get to 20 goals, I think that this becomes a closer game. That means Albany has to beat them by six goals. And I do think that Albany wins this game. But it is a league game. This is Vermont's Super Bowl. Um, and I think that the only way Vermont gets into the, their you know league tournament is with this win number eight stony brook going to new jersey to play the princeton tigers minus their head coach and chris bates they are favored by four what do you got uh i see the princeton guys coming together and putting together uh their best effort of the season we saw a glimpse of you know what they can do during the second quarter of the brown game this past weekend uh where they closed the gap on a very very scary team in brown and i think that all of this bullshit that went on this week is going to uh, springboard the Princeton players into coming together. And I see Princeton not only covering my plus four here, I see Princeton beating them outright. Wow. Um, they, I do. And I think that, you know, obviously Stony Brook has a great offense, uh, but I just I think Princeton's going to come together. They're going to beat them outright, and I can see them – you know, putting together a, a, a 15 to 13 win. So I'm going to take Princeton and the over at 23. I'm going to do the exact same. And I had this uh, game picked when I, you know, as soon as all the stuff happened this week, I had Princeton at least covering this. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't know if they're going to win the game. Um, I hope they do. Um, but I'm also kind of rooting for Stony Brook as well. Not necessarily for this game specifically, but on the season. I'm rooting for Stony Brook for a lot of different reasons. But I've got Princeton covering here. And I do, while I feel like 23 is a large number, I've got the under on this one. And I have the under because I really think that Stony Brook's defense is a lot better than people think it is. Uh, and that's a major reason why they've been doing pretty well. Uh, they had to slip up against Albany, obviously, letting up 16 goals. But for the majority of the season, they've been doing pretty well. So 
I've got uh, Princeton covering this. I don't think they'll win. I hope they do. Um, but I also hope Stony Brook wins. Uh, so I, but I've got uh, Princeton here covering four. Stony Brook wins, and I've got the under. Number 10, Navy at home against Colgate. Favorite three and a half. What do you got here? Uh, I got Navy. You know, they're playing at home. They're playing really well. This is the best team they've had since Ricky Soul's gone down there. Uh, their defense is really, really tough. They got a great face-off guy. And I just think that Colgate is missing, you know, a marquee offensive player. You know, over the last five, six years, they've they've had, you know, one or two guys that have been really, really good. And then they've had a good supporting cast. I just don't see them being able to score goals on Navy. I just don't see that happening. So, um, you know, and I see Navy holding them down. I can see Navy holding them under five goals. I'm going to say this is going to be, you know, 12-5 Navy. So I've got Navy to cover, but I've got the under at 20 goals. I don't think uh, either team's going to score. Well, I don't think Colgate's going to score that much against Navy's defense, and, and the fact that they're playing in Annapolis makes me feel more confidently about that. I got Navy to cover three and a half, and I like the under at 20. If this was in Colgate, obviously the line probably wouldn't be at three and a half, but if it was in Colgate, I'd have Colgate covering. Uh, Brandon Court, Peter Baum as the guys that you were looking for when you were talking about Colgate right. and their marquee guys. They don't have those guys. Um, I've got Navy covering as well at home. Um, you know, minus three and a half, and I've got the under as well. I do think that this is going to be a weirdly low-scoring game. It could actually be under 15 goals, um, but that's what I, that's what I have. Number 12, Air Force at home, favored by four, only four, against their league opponent, SoCon league opponent, Mercer. The over-under is 19 and a half. What do you got here, AP? Uh, I like Air Force in this. I think anytime you're going out to Air Force, uh, it, you're fighting an uphill battle. And the fact that this particular Air Force team has shown that they can run with anyone on game day. And I just don't think Mercer is going to be able to hang with Air Force, uh, you know, especially out there. I love Kyle Hannon, the head coach at Mercer. I think he's, you know, one of the best minds in the sport, and I think he's going to have them ready to go. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to cover four goals here. I like Air Force uh, to cover four, and I like the under. At 19 and a half, I think that Air Force is going to win this game, you know, 13 to Thirteen to five, something like that. So I got I got Air Force in the under. Uh, Towson, they went to Towson. Um, and they only scored, I think, like, what, two, three, four goals at max. I have a feeling it's going to be very much the same here against Air Force. Uh, Air Force's defense has done a great job. Their whole entire team, as an entire squad, has done a great job game planning against teams. It's the reason why they're ranked number 12 in the country. That's the reason why they've done a great job all year. I do have uh, Air Force covering the four goals against Mercer. I also have the under here. Um, but again, like we always say in Ithaca, you're, you know, you're getting dressed in the locker room in Colorado Springs. You're already down three goals. Uh, cause you, you, you can't even breathe. <laughs> you agree. can't even breathe up there. It's incredible. Right. It's uh, number 15, Loyola going to Lehigh, uh, favored by two goals here in a league matchup, uh, over under is 20. What do you think here, AP? Um, I got Loyola. I mean, Lehigh is playing better, but I just, I think that. You know, Loyola had a couple of big games early on in the season. 
when they opened with, you know, obviously a one-sided victory against Virginia and then beat Hopkins in a close game. Uh, you know, then they sort of digressed a little bit and got spanked by Duke. They lost a nail-biter to Navy. And then they've come back and they've beaten Georgetown, Bucknell, Colgate. I just think that they continue down that road. And I can see, you know, Loyola in a position to win out here. Uh, so I got Loyola to cover in this game. And I like Loyola in the over. I think Lehigh is going to score some goals. I think Kevin Cassis and Errol, those guys do a real good job. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to hang with Loyola for four quarters. But I see an offensive battle. I can see, you know, 14 to 10 Loyola. So I've got uh, Loyola to cover two and the over at 20. I feel like Loyola is going to cover here. Um, I have uh, Loyola beating them by more than two away, and I have uh, the under. Johns Hopkins, number 16 Johns Hopkins at home with uh, a game day decision on Petro, whether or not he's going to coach. I think it's going to come, they said, Saturday morning, whether or not he's going to coach. Playing a league Big Ten opponent in Ohio State, the Buckeyes. They are favored by two at Homewood. Uh, The over-under is 19. What do you have here? You know, I think that Hopkins is the better team. Uh, you know, I I do think that they're struggling, you know, a little bit. They just got their doors blown out by Rutgers. And, you know, while they've had some decent wins, they've also had some, some tough losses. You know, and then you look at the other side and you've got, you know, Ohio State has lost five in a row. You know, they lost most recently a really, really hard-fought battle against a super-hot Penn State team. You know, they lost 6-5. They lost 9-8 to that to, to, to Notre Dame, you know, the week before that. And they got blown out of Denver. And then the week before that, they just lost to Towson by a goal. And then they lost to Hofstra, you know, before that. You know, is this the week that, that Ohio State gets it all together and out of frustration puts together their best effort in weeks and and gets over the top and beats Hopkins you know I would say I would say yes this normally was would be if Hopkins had beaten Rutgers but because Hopkins got embarrassed at Rutgers I see the Hopkins staff with or without Petro getting these guys ready to come and ready to perform on game day and sort of taking control of their season again and of their destiny so I see Hopkins to come back I see them beating Ohio State uh, covering two I see a 12-8 win for Hopkins and you know just barely the over you know at 19 so I got Hopkins in the I've got the under here and I've got OSU Uh, I think regardless I think it's going to be a one goal game if anything I could see this game going into overtime this is a big 10 opponent this is Ohio State's only way now to make the national tournament. They only see one way, and that is they have to get into the Big Ten tournament, and they also have to win it. They have to have to win it, and this is a big step for them to actually understand for their kids on their program they, they can actually win big games. Uh, and this is the big game they need, and this is the big game I feel like they're not only going to cover, they're going to win. Um, so I've got Ohio State covering plus two here. Uh, regardless, I think it's a one-goal game. And I've got the under. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Number 17, Marquette, goes to Queens to play St. John's. Favored four-and-a-half goals here. This is a large number for an away game. But as we all know, Marquette is the <laughs> best away team. The only away games for Marquette are the ones <laughs> held at home. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, the over/under is eighteen and a half. Marquette just established themselves as one of the best defensive teams in the country. 
Uh, what are you no uh, What are you thinking here? I got Marquette. Marquette's going to cover this. Cover this easy. Uh, the St. John's is not going to be able to score goals on Marquette. Marquette's going to lock them up. They're going to win. You know, twelve four, something like that. I don't think Marquette's an offensive juggernaut by any. Uh, you know, means, but I just think that there's no way St. John's is going to be able to score, and I see Marquette winning the faceoffs, holding them down. I can see a, you know, 12-4. So I like Marquette to cover, and I like the under at 18 and a half. I, uh, I like the under here as well. I like Marquette. Yeah, there's no way uh, St. John's scores on what Marquette. Mac, the kid McNamara for Marquette, though, is an, he's very, very good. Uh, I've got the same exact thing you do. Marquette in the under. Number one. Now we're moving on to the Sunday games. This is probably the most Sunday games we've seen in a while. There are four of them, and they're all big games. Number one, Notre Dame at home in South Bend, going against number 13, Duke, favored by two goals. Over-under is 21. Who do you got here? You know, this is a really tough game to call. Uh, You know, I just... I think that, I mean, Duke is playing for their lives. They, they, they need to win this game, and this is the type of game that Duke wins. And with Notre Dame being firmly number one in the country after blowing out Syracuse up in the Dome, you know, I had questioned throughout the season Notre Dame's inconsistency at the faceoff acts, but, you know, P.J. Finley is, is as quietly winning 60% of his faceoffs and did a great job against Ben Williams, who is one of the very, very best out there. You know, they, they seem to show up offensively. You know, Kavanaugh going three and six up in the dome and then putting up 17 goals, you know, uh, shows how explosive they can be. Now, I hadn't seen it. I needed to see it to believe it. But I just think that history shows that John Donowski – finds a way to win this game. And I think that, uh, you know, as, 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 much as, as much as I'm scared to do it, I think that Duke is going to end up winning this game outright, even at Notre Dame. And I think that they're going to find a way to solve Notre Dame's defense. And I see them winning, you know, 12-11, something really close like that. So I got, I got Duke to cover, plus two, and I like the over. I like the over. I think it's going to be another, like, I think it's going to be more like 14 13. Um, But I also have Duke winning this. Um, And I have Duke winning this because they need it. Um, And they do. They they have have to have it. it. And I feel like that mentality goes a long way. It doesn't matter about stats, it doesn't matter about matchups. It matters about who exceeds, as you always say, who exceeds intensity on game day. And I feel like Duke is out on a mission. They need this one more than Notre Dame needs it, even though I know that staff at Notre yeah, Dame do. is going to have them ready to go. I just feel like regardless, they're still going to cover. It's going to be a one-goal game. So at two goals, I feel like I'm safe picking Duke, but I also feel the same way you do and that Duke's going to win by one. Uh, number five, Maryland, uh, going to Penn State. Three big Pennsylvania games, uh, by the way. Oh, four. Four big Pennsylvania games. Lehigh's in there as well. Uh, Maryland going to Penn State. Number 14, Penn State. Favorite by two. Uh, what do you got here? Over-under is 17 and a half. Uh, just, another, just another really tough game to call. You got to credit the guys at Lax Vegas. <laughs> I mean, this, 
this is just a, this is, I just, I really am just clueless to quote Ty Zanders from a few weeks ago <laughs> on this game. Um, <laughs> you know, I just don't know what this Penn State's playing great. They're playing at home. Maryland doesn't score a lot of goals. You know, Crimes uh, is back at the faceoff X for Penn State. I think he's going to cause Henningsen some problems there just based on his front end of the whistle hand speed. I, you know, I, I'm going to take Penn State. You know, I just, I just think that even though Maryland is the more complete team, I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game, and Penn State's playing well. And I just, I just see it being, a, you know, a one-goal game. I don't know if Penn State wins, but I see them being able to cover. Uh, I think it's a one-goal game either way. So I like Penn State to cover, and I like a really low-scoring game here. I can see it being, I can see it being like, you know, eight-six or eight-seven, something like that. So I've got, I've got Penn State. To cover plus two, and I like the under at seven. I like and the a half. under as well. I think it's going to be an obnoxiously low-scoring game, and I think seventeen and a half is probably two or three goals too much. But Maryland scores enough goals to win the game every single time, and yeah, I've do. got this thing somewhere around 11, 7, 11, 6. Okay. So. I'm teetering on that 17 and a half uh, line right there, but I'm still going to take the under. These guys do a great job. Yeah, they do. They do actually. Uh, but I'm going. I'm <laughs> going with the under. But I'm taking Maryland because I still think they're going to beat them by three or four goals, uh, just because they will. Yeah. And they score enough goals that they have to, and they'll stop them because they have good enough defense to do so. Number 11, Carolina at home. It's a pick 'em. Against number 20, Virginia. Over-under is 22 and a half. This is, I would say, a pick as well. Virginia coming off a 9-0 win uh, last week against Richmond. Carolina coming off a huge victory against Duke. Um, who do you got here? You know what I like? I like the momentum that Carolina has created with uh, you know, that overtime victory against Duke last Friday night. I like what I see out of Stephen Kelly at the X and his wings. I just feel like Carolina has more heart as a team right now. And the fact that they're playing at home, they're 1-0. Even though Virginia's playing for its life in the ACC, I just don't see them having enough to beat the Heels at home on Sunday. So I got the Heels outright to win this. And I think it's going to be an over. I don't think either team's defense is particularly strong. And so I've got, I've got Carolina to cover, and I like the over at 22 Love the over here. I think it's an easy bet for sure. I think it's, all, it's also an easy bet because I'm going to take the home team here, Carolina, uh, in a pick em. Uh I do like the face-off matchup better. I don't think Virginia's momentum is nearly as strong as with Carolina beating their biggest rival. I mean, they've got three goals. In their, you know, locker room. The third goal is beat Duke. Second is win the ACC. And the third is win a national championship. Those are the only three goals UNC has. And they've already achieved the first one. And they're well on their way of achieving the second one, which is win the ACC. And that's what Virginia is up next. And I feel like Carolina is going to get that win. It will be a close game, but I've got Carolina there. The last game. Uh, before the Rock Bottom Bowl, number 19 Rutgers at home against Michigan. Three and a half goals is the line. 21 and a half is the over-under. What do you got here, AT? 
Well, let me say that I, I, I was very, very impressed with the performance of Michigan last week against Maryland. For them to play Maryland as tight and lose, you know, late in the game, 8-7 with, you know, a couple of major injuries to two of their best players, uh, you know, I, I would never have seen this game playing out the way that it did, the Michigan-Maryland game. So, uh, you know, credit John Ball for, for keeping his guys, you know, in it mentally and, and coming out with their best performance of the year against one of the very best teams in the country in the Terps. With that said, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Rutgers' offense. I mean, Rutgers just threw up 16 on Hopkins, and Hopkins' defense is light years better than Michigan's. Um, you know, and, 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 and Hopkins won the faceoffs in that game, and Rutgers still scored 16 goals on them. So even though I do believe that Michigan will score some goals, um, I just don't see it being close to enough. This is Rutgers' year. They're hitting their stride. I, I see Rutgers... You know, scoring over 15 goals, I can see Michigan scoring, you know, seven or eight. I, I think it's going to be about 15 to eight Rutgers. So I've got Rutgers to cover three and a half, and I like the over 21 and a half. Uh, I like the over here as well, and I do think that Rutgers will cover three and a half. Um, it's, it's Rutgers. I mean, Michigan might go over in the Big Ten. Last year they got – Michigan beat Rutgers. I think that that's going to be a thorn in the side for a lot of the guys at Rutgers. Um, I think it's a tough road trip for Michigan to make. make. It's not exactly uh, the team they were in the start of the season, um, and they're dealing with some serious injuries left and right. Uh, the roster's changing constantly in terms of you know injuries, but also who's playing and who's not playing. I don't think that bodes well for a momentum shift here going into the Big Ten, despite the the effort that they put together at Maryland against Maryland in terms of Rutgers. I think they cover that three and a half. I've got the over as well. I do think Michigan will score goals. I think Rutgers is going to score a lot more. Uh, so I have Rutgers too. Last but not least, at the Rock Bottom Bowl. I think we have, I think we have a repeat <laughs> team. In the rock ball or bottom ball, but I think we have a new team to enter. Yeah, I, I hate having to put repeat teams into the rock bottom ball, but you know, this late in the season, this weekend, there weren't a lot of candidates. Um, so the one that sticks out is Lafayette going to Worcester to play Holy Cross. Holy Cross is one in ten in the Patriot League. Lafayette is two and eight. I'm sorry, Lafayette's two and eight overall. 0-5 in the Patriot League. Holy Cross is 1-10, and 0-5 in the Patriot League. Uh, this is this week's Rock Bottom Bowl. As, as is custom, <laughs> RD, uh, the Rock Bottom Bowl is always a pick'em. So uh, yeah, I'm putting it to you. Who do you Is this like at Lafayette this or is it in Worcester? This is in Worcester, the Rock Bottom Bowl. This is the second. Wait a minute. This, is this, the second, rock, this is the second Rock Bottom Bowl in Worcester? Binghamton, or I think was that's it Binghamton? Is it, I can't even remember, but uh, Jacksonville. It was Jacksonville Holy Cross in Worcester. Right. Uh, I got to go with the Crusaders on this one. Um, it is, it is going to be a grinder. I, you know, Again, I feel like I, I haven't seen Holy Cross play since last year when they played BU. I saw them play live. Uh, the, I love their 10-man action, but I also think that for whatever reason – from year one to year two, they have had a major drop off. But I've got Holy Cross on this one. Uh, if it was in uh, Pennsylvania, well, this would be what the fourth game, big big game uh, in Pennsylvania. But it's not. 
Um, I've got Holy Cross on this one in a pick'em. Uh, you know what? I, I I don't know what rock bottom rules uh, decide here, but I I have to agree with you. I mean, I think. Listen, Holy Cross, they're one in ten and zero and five in the Patriot League, and they are about six overall goals from being six and five. Sure. You, know, you look at their season. They lost a one-goal game to Harvard that they had Harvard dead. They lost a one-goal game that was at Harvard. They lose a one-goal game at Lehigh. They lose a one-goal game, you know, uh, uh, against Loyola. Uh, you know, they lose a two-goal game to Hartford at Hartford, and Hartford's got an unbel- one of the best face-off guys in the country. Now, obviously, they got beaten up badly against Navy at Navy last week, but I just think I think Holy Cross is a much better team than their record indicates. And so I just I see Holy Cross with way too much offense for Lafayette and the fact that it is at home and Lafayette has ketchup packets all the way up there. <laughs> Mayo just, packets uh, going I, soggy uh, and old. Uh, B, it's gonna be it's gonna be the uh, Holy Cross wins this game and I think Holy Cross scores a lot of goals. I can see Holy Cross putting up like eighteen. Wow. And I can see about eighteen to eight something like that. So I think Holy Cross handles them easily in this this week. And that's all for the show. As always, you can check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. Try to stay warm if you're up in the Northeast. We'll be back early next week to recap the biggest games of the weekend. And until then, maximize your comfort. Thank you very much.